I want to share with you something this morning that's been on my heart, something that I've shared with some of you already as we've met together for coffee or just in different conversations as we've been together. And each time that I shared this word with someone, I got a really favorable response. Uh, Often it was, I really needed to hear that. So all glory to God in that, and I feel like it's something then I want to share with, with all of you as well. So I'll do that this morning. And the title of my sermon is, When You Can't Keep Swimming Anymore, The Fine Line Between Worldly Optimism and the Christian Hope, and it may just be the best thing about the sermon. Because I hate making up titles for sermons. It's the worst thing in the world. If I had my way, I've said this before, it would be issue number one or issue number two or sermon number one or sermon number two or just the date. But I thought this is actually a very cool title, he said selfishly and conceitedly. So I hope that the rest of the word matches up to that. Actually, I hope that instead we really focus on God's word because that's the most important thing, all joking aside. But before I begin... I want to start with a poem as I begin to speak about optimism and the Christian hope. And it's a poem called The Little Blue Engine, and this is how it goes. The little blue engine looked up at the hill. His light was weak, and his whistle was shrill. He was tired and small, and the hill was tall. And his face blushed red as he softly said, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. So he started up with a chug and a strain, and he puffed and he pulled with might and main, and slowly he climbed a foot at a time, and his engine coughed as he whispered soft, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And with a squeak and a creak and a toot and a sigh, with an extra hope and an extra try, he would not stop. Now he neared the top, and strong and proud, he cried out loud, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he was almost there when crash, smash, bash, he slid down and mashed into engine hash on the rocks below. Which goes to show, if the track is tough and the hill is rough, thinking you can just ain't enough. Are you encouraged yet, church? (laughs) Thanks to Shel Silverstein for coming up with that one. But we've been taught that we can do anything if we put our minds to it. That we can accomplish anything as long as we think we can and don't give up. But as Silverstein's poem highlights, as wonderful as as it is to have this mindset, sometimes that is not enough, is it? And it seems that our culture is full of this just-keep-swimming attitude. I'm pulling from Little Nemo, another pop culture reference, if I may, a movie that came out about 10 years ago about the fish, you know, looking for his son, Little Nemo, and Dory is, is giving this philosophy to Marlon. I think his name is Marlon. Um, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Don't worry about the problems. Just keep swimming and you'll get through. And what's wrong with that? Doesn't Paul say something similar? Doesn't Paul talk about perseverance and the need to continue on in the race? So what's wrong with this kind of optimism? Just keep going, and everything in the end will turn out okay. In fact, the best is yet to come if we just keep striving for it. And if we can't find a way, well, by golly, we'll make a way. The only failure is if you give up. Don't stop. Don't stop. But what happens when we can't keep swimming? 
I believe that there is a fine line between what we know of this kind of worldly optimism. And by worldly, I mean not centered on Christ and the Christian hope. And I don't want to be unfair to optimists around us. If you are an optimist, if you have a sunny disposition on life, if you are always, the glass is always half full, God bless you. I'm not trying to dissuade you from that at all. That is important. That is, I believe, a really Christian value to have. Absolutely. I'm not so much talking about that. But I do want to draw our attention to the difference between optimism and hope. Because optimism, I believe, puts us at the center. While optimism expects the most favorable outcomes or holds to the belief that goodness ultimately will saturate our reality, and that's something Christians believe as well, the fact is that it puts us at the center. Optimism says it's all on us. It's up to us to do this right. And optimism is often tinged with fear, if not driven by it, and for a need for control. It ultimately sets us up for disappointment and at the most defeat because optimism is rooted in us. And if it's rooted in us, then it's not rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's a problem. In fact, optimism, it's argued, keeps God well at arm's length from us. Eugene Peterson, in his book Reverse Thunder, doesn't pull punches regarding optimism. He writes, The world's alternative to salvation is optimism. Optimism is a way of staying useful and being hopeful without having recourse to God, without having to resort to his help or for his protection. The optimist's efforts to live well, to help others and improve the world, are fueled by a determination, conscious or unconscious, to keep God out of who they are and what they are doing. This optimism is so pervasive advertises itself so attractively and chalks up so many awards, honors, and achievements that it is difficult not to be impressed and then in the general euphoria to go along with it. It is certainly a lot easier for them we do not have to deal with God. And isn't that the constant temptation that we face? To keep, God's, to keep God at arm's length and to go on, it, to go on, on our own to handle things ourselves, especially when we don't like or want or trust the way that God chooses to handle things or by perception not handle things. But the Christian hope is different from worldly optimism. The Christian hope is centered on Christ. Unlike optimism, the Christian hope is rooted in our spirit and it recognizes that we have no control whatsoever over the things of this life. We are dependent on someone else. Like optimism, however, the Christian hope is also tinged with fear, but a holy fear. A fear that recognizes the awesomeness of Christ and his glory. Our struggles and how we pray for others who struggle are framed in this context. Our God is an awesome God. Amen? You already beat me to it. Amen. Optimism says, don't give up or you sink. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. The Christian hope says, sometimes something has to die 
in order for true life to take place. And is that so hard for us to accept? Because is not our faith centered on that point? Is that not what we really believe? Our whole faith is centered on this very truth for where Christ's death looked like it was the very end, really, truly, it was the beginning of something truly life-giving, truly wonderful. It is a living hope. Jesus is a living hope for us. I want to invite you to close your eyes for just a few moments while I reread this passage. It's important to hear God's word. So if you would please, close your eyes. And I'll read from 1 Peter again, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Friends, our living hope is placed in the living Jesus Christ. A hope infused in us by God's power, His Holy Spirit. And it is, unlike optimism, not dependent on our ability to just keep swimming and make it to the end, but dependent on the one who is the beginning and is the end of all things, who has brought us into a new life through Him. And in this life is the inheritance of eternal life. An inheritance that we begin to experience immediately for we worship an immediate and present living Jesus. It is, unlike optimism, not skirting the issue of hardship, but embraces the fact that hardship is to be endured. Indeed, there is tension within the thanksgiving that Peter gives in this passage as he acknowledges the trials that are being experienced by the people that he is writing to. For us, In this life, we don't seek trials. And God, I don't believe, gives them to us as an entrance exam or an obstacle course to work through. Yet we know that we will go through them. So it is Jesus. And we don't weigh our Christian life as successful or unsuccessful through the amount of suffering that we may or may not be experiencing. That's not the point either. Rather, we hope in faith that Christ is indeed with us through the suffering just as much as he is through us, with us through times of rest. Our very reliance on Christ proves the endurance of our faith, 
A statement that may irk some of us more than others. As perhaps you might be thinking, well, Jesus, I think I've experienced enough trials for now. Thank you very much. Care to back off a bit on those now? And to those who may be in that place this morning, may I say, brother and sister, hold strong to your faith. For it is of greater weight than gold. These have come, verse 7 says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In our world, gold, not faith, is valued by humanity. I saw some amazing gold recently at the museum. Kate and I went. I don't know if any of you have been to see the Gold Rush exhibit that's at the museum right now. The first time Kate and I went, we went on a date. This is what dates look like, kids, when you're married for 17 plus years. We went to the museum, and the first thing we saw was the million dollar loony. That was one big loony. When we went with the kids, when we went with the kids a few weeks later, the loony was gone, unfortunately, but there was a gold bar. And on that bar, it was stamped 99.999% pure gold. That's pretty pure. Through faith in Christ, we are stamped 100% pure. Amen? That's of great worth. And as our faith is directed towards Jesus Christ, it produces joy and it produces love far above any and beyond any we could muster on our own. This isn't a fake joy or love or one that serves as an escapism from trials, but deeper. It's rooted in Christ. It's that kind of joy that allows you to chuckle at a joke despite whatever trials you might be going through. It's the kind of love that allows you to reach out to someone even though we might be going through something terribly hard at the time. We can still reach out to help others. Or we can receive the help that people are bringing to us. This type of joy and love is deeper. And it leads into praise. This is why praise is so important. Peter speaks to this in his letter. Our God deserves great praise. Though you have not seen him, he says, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's important, church. Don't deny him the praise on a Sunday morning. Don't deny God the praise during the week. Praise him. And so I want to encourage you this morning, church, wherever you are at, if you feel like you are trying to keep on swimming, keep on swimming, keep on swimming, and nothing is coming of it, or you feel like you're sinking, that may not be such a bad thing. That might allow God to catch up with you a little bit. Kind of an odd thought, isn't it? To outrun God, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, and God's chasing to catch up and say, hold on, if you would just stop for a moment, I have something I want to share with you. I want to let you know that you can't do this on your own. I want to let you know that I'm here to help. Would you let me help?
Where optimism says, hold on, don't stop, the best is yet to come, the Christian hope is built upon the fact that the best not only will come, but has come in Jesus Christ, for he has drawn near. Let's draw near to him as well. Let's rely on him. Let's turn to him. Let's do that this morning. Worship team, would you come back up, please? Church, let us hold on to our living hope in the Lord Jesus. By his power, let us hold firm in faith to the promise of God Almighty at work within us and through us. Dare to do so with inexpressible and glorious joy, even now as we sing this response song. For he is worthy. Jesus is very worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Bless you.